Good evening. Welcome to another brush up on EMS Bob. I'm Bob, and tonight we're going to be talking about EMT students. And are we playing the gatekeeper within letting them into our profession? Or are we giving them the helping hand and helping them to reach their goals and become a caregiver so that they could help other people? So we've all had that EMT class that just didn't quite go as planned. Uh, we started out with 10 students uh, and then within the first couple weeks we had a couple dropouts and then over time uh, we, we finally ended up by the end of class with about, you know, five students. And it's difficult to say with each EMT class that we teach, are we going to have all 10 pass? Are we going to have five? Maybe even as little as two. Uh, but when we look at EMT classes, we have to keep in mind that every student in these classrooms does not learn the same way. And I don't know how many times I have heard people say, well, I only teach the way I was taught. Well, folks, we've got to get over this idea that we only teach the way we were taught because they don't learn the way we were taught. The typical lectures that we do in the classroom, those days are coming to an end. Guys, we've got to get out of the mentality of teaching by lecture, death by PowerPoint. The ways that I'm starting to teach class for my EMT classes is I'm starting to use more of what I call the kindergarten classroom. Now, if this is kind of unfamiliar territory for you, just hold on and I'll, I'll kind of explain it. So the kindergarten classroom goes like this. When we were in kindergarten, uh, there were basic concepts we learned like ABCs, one, two, three, uh, basic math, reading, uh, addition, subtraction, uh, tying your shoes, all those basic concepts. But a lot of the other stuff, we have forgotten what we learned in kindergarten. Other things like field trips, talking to other people or having special guest speakers, uh, playing with items. Believe it or not, by playing with items, we actually are learning through play. And uh, one of the ways you can see this through an analogy is, is the, the kids are, are playing with blocks and they're building a tower. And they build it so high, and once they get so high, eventually the blocks will fall down. Well, then we come up to the kids and we say, hey, if you build out just a little bit farther on your base you can build a higher tower and uh, what we find is that the students are learning that and they learn and they recall that because we gave them a means to succeed the typical approach that we see in classrooms the lecture based approach the what we call 
in some circles the IWU approach. And the IWU approach simply is this. I give you a problem on the board. And from this problem, you then work through that problem. So for instance, if I gave you 2 plus 2 equals 4. Or we could even make it a little more difficult, but we'll just stay with 2 plus 2 equals 4. So we'll put 2 plus 2 up on the board, maybe 3 plus 3 and 4 plus 4 and so on and so forth. And we're going to work through those problems. I give you the problems, we work through the problems, and then you gain homework and take it home and work on it yourself. This works in some traditional settings with math classes and English classes and stuff like that, but in EMS, it doesn't work as well. How do we learn in EMS? We learn in EMS through mistakes, failures, experiences, opportunities, and a lot of those are not presented in the IWU approach. However, there is a second approach that we can use in the EMS field. This approach is called the you, y'all, we approach. Okay, so remember we had the I, we, you. That was I presented the problem, we solved the problem, and then you took the home the problems and worked on it some more. The you, y'all, we approach is a uh, problem-based approach. Well, guess what? EMS, what are we presented with? We're presented with medical problems, trauma problems, difficult situations. Hey, guess what? This is a problem-based approach. So how do we get what we do out in the field into the classroom? We do a problem-based approach. So the you, y'all, we approach. You are presented with a problem. So I say, hey, you're dispatched to a 45-year-old female having a hypoglycemic problem. Now keep in mind, you don't have to have gone through the hypoglycemia chapter. If they've already done patient assessment, they already understand basic vitals, they don't have to understand what hypoglycemia is. They don't even have to understand that this is a hypoglycemic patient. You could call it a sick patient. So let's just go with the fact that they're getting dispatched out to a 45-year-old female who's sick. So they have the problem. So it's the you, y'all. So then they get on scene. Now remember, are we alone? No, we've got a partner. So they're now talking with their partner and they come up with a solution. Whether it's the right solution or the wrong solution, it doesn't matter. But then they come up with a solution. And that solution then causes them to either succeed, fail, or learn from it. So they get there, they take their vitals, they take care of the patient. Eventually you call the scenario and you say, hey, it's, we're done, uh, let's go ahead and head back to the classroom. And you debrief them. Now when you debrief these students, you need to make sure that you, you say, hey, what did you do well? Okay, what, what didn't go well? What can we change? What did you take away from this situation? And then give them a means to succeed. So if it was a diabetic patient and they didn't take a blood sugar, say, hey, we have an awesome tool that's called a blood sugar monitor, and this is what we use to assess patients to see what their blood sugar is. By doing this, you're giving them a means to succeed. And then now, 
after you've done that, you can go into that chapter. They've got an experience to draw from. They've got a means to succeed. And now you can talk about hypoglycemia, hyperglycemia, all your diabetic emergencies, altered mental status, because now they've got an experience to draw from. It's the same way we've told paramedic students over and over and over again, hey, get three or more years out in the field. That will give you experience so that you'll be much better when you get into paramedic class. You will have those experiences drawn because you have that Rolodex of patients. Someone says a stroke. You think back to the one time that you thought you had a possible stroke or you maybe you did have a stroke or someone talks about anaphylaxis. You think to the allergic reaction or the anaphylaxis and you start having these pictures come up. We can start doing this for our EMT students. Our EMT students can start having the ability to start creating that Rolodex from even scenarios. And where the big push from National Registry states and everything for EMS is pushing EMTs to go to scenarios and paramedics are getting to the scenario-based education, we need to be getting on board too as EMT instructors. Finally, with these approaches, we can quit being the gatekeepers because they're gonna learn. Because everyone who got into this class, whether you're old now and a, and a veteran EMT, veteran paramedic, whatever you are, or a newbie, you got into it because it was a hands-on profession. And this gives us the hands-on education that we're looking for. Be creative. Get in your classroom and, you know, have your, your person all, all decked up and, and ready in, in some area of, you know, whatever classroom, your station, college, uh, wherever. Um, create kind of an area that looks like a house or kind of like a, a place you might go into. Uh, make it as, as close to reality. And also train like we play in the field. If they're going to put on a, a nebulizer treatment, make sure that they actually do it. Don't just let them verbalize it because what are they learning? They're learning just, I say this, I get a reaction, and the patient improves. But that's not the way it works in the field. We've got to make sure that we do it, otherwise nothing's going to change. So, going back to the very first thing where I said we've got to quit being the gatekeepers in this profession, there are those people who don't belong in EMS, whether their personality, uh, they're cocky, they, they don't care for people, they thought this was going to be an adrenaline rush job and they didn't realize it's about taking care of others. But we've got to quit being the gatekeepers of our EMT students. We've got to try to get away from the fact that this is the way I was taught so I'm going to teach you the same way. We've got to come up with new ways to teach our students. For instance, you know, I don't know how many times I have taught in an EMT class cardiac tamponade, and I've just talked about it. And tonight I came up with this great idea. I took two styrofoam cups, and I had, you know, some interaction from the class, and I said, okay, so this, this first styrofoam cup on the outside, this is the pericardial sac, because it's on the outside. And I said, this inside, I want you to write heart on it. That's the inside. Then on the inside of that heart, I want you to write endo. 
being the endocardium. And then when we took the two cups and we put them together, they saw that they seated really snugly together. For them, that was creating that idea that, you know, they had the heart and the endocardium and the, and the, and the pericardial sac. And then we took a, a needle that you would for an intramuscular injection, like an 18-gauge needle, and hooked it onto a 10cc syringe. And we first talked about how fluid goes into the heart. And there's just fluid there for lubrication. But the more fluid we get, it can then start leading to an effusion, and eventually after an effusion, we'll get the tamponading effects. And as I started adding more and more of this fluid into the bottom of the cup, um, through the little port, not going into the heart, but just in between the heart and the pericardial sac, in between the two cups, the cup started to rise. And they could see the cup rising, and the more and more fluid, the cup started going up higher and higher and higher. They were able to bring that concept around for themselves that that sac was all the way around the heart, and that would create pressure on the heart. Guys, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be a world-class lab that you've got equipment that costs millions of dollars. You can use simple equipment that you have. Uh, it can be free and cost-effective uh, and, and smart. You've got to think outside the box. But just remember, if it was the way you learned, it may not be the way they learned. And if you have a student who still doesn't understand, don't get frustrated at them. Work through with them until they do understand. Maybe even sit down with them one-on-one. -on -one. Remember that you once were that student there too, even though it may have been a long time ago. Remember you once were there and you had to be taught and maybe you didn't learn the first time the way it was explained to you. Well, that's what I've got today for, for teaching EMT students and, and not being the gatekeepers of our profession and, and helping them, bringing them along, and just being creative and being uh, a new mindset in the classroom with the scenario-based education, being more of that kindergarten-focused classroom where we're doing hands-on education, crafts, and fun things to kind of explain these concepts that are difficult uh, to explain just by lecturing. I hope y'all are safe out there. Uh, take care. And always, 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 never stop learning. Uh, there's always something new to learn. As long as you learn just 1% for the day, that's more than enough information. Uh, because as long as you do 1%, after about 7 days, you've got 7%. After 2 weeks, you've got 14%. And after a whole month, you've got about 30% of knowledge there. So just learn that 1% for the day. Keep training, keep working hard, and be safe out there. Thanks again.